This is a main hustle media podcast. Hey y'all. So I just want to give a little disclaimer for this particular episode. Um, we did have some audio issues. It was kind of dropping in and out. Um, I didn't want to scrap the entire episode because of that, because I was really um, glad to have Iris on and I wanted you all to be able to get an opportunity to hear from her and some things I just didn't realize until after the fact that we had a few spots where the audio kind of dropped out. I was using Anchor, which I don't typically use. And um, there was just like some times where it would go to sleep. <laughs> it would kind of like time out. And so the audio would drop out at that time. And um, I really wasn't aware of it until we went back um, and listened to the audio um, in preparation for the episode. So I want to apologize in advance for the dropouts and the audio quality. You know, it's something that I'm still working on. but um, I did not want to, you know, basically just throw the whole episode away because of that. So um, just bear with me and <laughs> bear with us. And um, hopefully you can still really get something out of the episode because I did enjoy speaking with Iris. Thank you for tuning in. And um, the plan is to not have <laughs> the same issues next week. All the way from the A, you listen to my favorite lesbian on BRQ. Hey, stay locked in with your favorite lesbian on Black Radical Queer. Yeah. Hey, y'all, this is Javi Nicole, a.k.a. your favorite lesbian, and you're listening to Black Radical Queer Podcast, our stories on our own terms. Hey y'all, this is Javia Nicole. Welcome to season two of Black Radical Career Podcast. Thank you for coming back and tuning back in with me after a break. Today I um, have a guest with me and as usual, uh, I know it's a new season, but nothing has changed in terms of how this goes. So I'm going to allow my guest to introduce herself, um, tell her, uh, I'm sorry, tell you um, about herself, and then we will get into the episode. Okay, so hi, everybody. My name is Iris Bassett. I am turning 26 this Sunday, August 18th. I'm definitely an August Leo, so <laughs> shout out all the August Leos out there. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, <laughs> Happy birthday to Nipsey Hussle. Um his birthday is today, mm-hmm. actually. And, and we're recording this on August 15th. So you all will be hearing this after the fact. So happy belated birthday. <laughs> but um, yes. yeah, that's the day we're recording on. So I was just excited to like hear you speak and do your intro. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's Javia. Um, so it's just nice to hear you and talk to you because it's been like really amazing. Oh, I know I'm supposed to be talking about myself, but I'm just excited. <laughs> so um, I am the Community Outreach Director of Black Women United. Uh, it's an organization that was basically birthed out of the Women's March and how inclusive it really wasn't. Um, <laughs> yes. And so our three um, women who uh, create the march I mean, we have Iman, Alika, and Amber. Um, it's Autumn. I always mess it up, but like, yes, yeah, so those are the big three. And they created the Black Women March in respect, of course, exclusion of Black women. And so now the organization has changed, and what um and what's happening is we're making sure that we can really connect with Black women them and be there for them and create safe spaces for them. My is community actor, so I run our social media page. Um, our Instagram is BWU underscore Sacramento. Our Facebook page is BWU Sacramento. Um, and this like turning into something that's my passion, like I've been wanting to work with them, but I was always sick or always busy or taking like working part-time and taking like 15, 16 unit semesters. So I really love going out to events. I love meeting people and connecting with the community. So that is like my passion career. I believe it's turning into and what I want to do for the rest of my life for work. I work at SAC um, in one of the Sacramento city uh, colleges and I go to school there as a student who's still trying to figure out what she wants to do with her degree. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
like most of my classes that I've taken are for healthcare administration. But like if I take a couple more classes, I can also do nursing, physical therapy, um, something in health. I know I want to do something in healthcare. Eventually, I do want to do something with doulaship. Okay. But women and black families and black black folks in a way that is comfortable for them and meaningful for them that's what I would like to get like you know my nine to five in or part-time in if I have enough freelancing opportunities (laughs) 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 yes I'm trying to get more comfortable to speak it in existence because speaking it and actually saying it feels so weird coming off the tongue like I also like to model and to say, oh, yeah, I'm a model. I'm like, am I a model? I yes. can absolutely <laughs> relate. I have um, syndrome. <laughs> see, that's what it is. Oh, my gosh. My wife and I talk about imposter syndrome a lot. Um, I can definitely relate because I, I'm interested in a lot of things. Um, I was similar in school in terms of, well, I actually, in undergrad, I, took, I, I gra- uh, graduated with my degree in English, but I had like enough credits in psychology to, I basically had enough credits to like triple minor. Like all the rest of my credits were kind of evenly split between psychology and religious studies and education. So I was just kind of all over the place. And I actually work now in healthcare administration. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. Yeah, so that's what I do now, but I also modeled for a while. It's been a while. I haven't really been like as active. I used to be really, really active. Um, similar style I did I did like pinup um modeling and um, photography and it was hard for me to to say like oh I'm a model I'm a photographer I would say I model I do photography you know um I wouldn't give myself that title it's definitely that imposter syndrome yes but um the older I get the I want to say the older I get the less I feel that but that's not true across the board but in regards to certain things that I've done for years I do feel like, like now I'll say oh you know I model or I used to model or I'm a model or a former model or something like that but mm-hmm. that you know took a lot to even get to that point of saying that so it's we do I mean we're primarily the folks who should not have imposter syndrome the most qualified the most educated yet the most you know the most that's feeling like imposters yes Yes, absolutely. Shout out to Therapy for Black Girls because, like, I listen. See, I, as a part of self-care, I recently asked my friend, um, their name is LaShawn, and I'm just like, you know, I knew that they listened to podcasts, and I'm like, can you hear, and, and I think I asked on Facebook for queer Black content, and, you know, they listed your podcast, and they listed The Read, and a bunch of others, and eventually... I'm in a group with them where they, because I posted something about, oh, I'm the host of BRQ. And they were like, oh, yeah, listen to your podcast. I'm like, let me find out. Okay. Give me your roses, Javier. Give me your roses. It still shocks me. It, like, I'm telling you, right before we started recording, I had someone um, comment on my Instagram. was like, oh, I'm a total stand for your podcast. I'm like, what? My, and then they had... um the shade room was like, Oh, what are some like popular podcasts? And I had all these notifications from people tagging me. And I was like, Are y'all kidding? First of all, the shade room is not stunning me, but it was just interesting to me that like, <laughs> that that many people they were like basically ask did a post like, Oh, what podcast should people be paying attention to? type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was that I followed. Um, they're real love nine one six, spelled with one L. So you know it's real. Uh, <laughs> But they posted that, and then I went to it because they, of course, they're a podcaster, so they posted. And I went to the link, and I saw because I unfollowed the Shade Room a long time. Ago. Yeah, same. The <laughs> Shade Room was like triggering me. Sometimes it tur- it eventually became more toxic than like funny. Mm-hmm. So, I 100 agree. That's why I, I would have never known had I not gotten the notifications. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like right. follow them. Yeah, and the Reed just got a TV show, and you know, I'm so Black love, I live for any positive Black experience. I'm Black, but like queer, and like just people, because my heart bleeds for my people. Um, So it's (laughs) so it's 
seeing how the podcasting, it really helped me because it was something that I could do while at work because I'm bored and I work at an office. Um, and so, like, I, first of all, before I started, you know, working here, I worked uh, for a program called the Moja and mm-hmm. I was a tour for it and I got to work around black people all the time like be around black women like be supported by black people be acknowledged and like loved mm-hmm. and just that understanding and it really helps acclimate me to working for this job now but like I realized I was spoiled <laughs> and- and, like, listening to podcasters just because it helps me, like, learn about things and different perspectives and, like, just reiterating the therapy that I currently go through mm-hmm. um, as, like, toolbox reminder. But just being, like, hearing people talk about, like, working around, like, white corporations and now being in a white corporation, like, it's it's basically white but it's diverse like with quotation marks mm-hmm. but um, I'm still the only black person in this department and division right. and so I it's very like I can't listen to certain things because I'll notice I'll start getting triggered and like looking at my like co-workers and then it, they started with the certain the small little things and I'm just like you just gotta listen to the podcast and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then like it makes the day go by so much faster and the laughter the introspection the thought process like I just need to be mentally taken away because I get bored easily and then I don't want to sit in the same desk all day like starting to realize desk work is not for me <laughs> <laughs> yes that's only um not for everybody. It's, it's funny because it's like some of the same stuff uh, my wife was just saying. She went from working um, at Starbucks to working a different job and um, that where she does more, she spends more time at a desk. And, um, you know, she's like, yeah, um, she recently got a chance to kind of like be out um, of the office and stuff. Well, she's been out of the office um, doing some work uh, for the past week. And she's like, yeah, I'm not accustomed to, you know, being out of the office as much, but I miss it. Like, you know, I don't want to be at a desk all the time. Um, same issue of like, um, you know, kind of missing being around black folks and stuff like that, because now her team is, um, not, uh, she used to have a team that was like all black, I think. And now she, when she got promoted, um, that changed. So, yeah. So I'm like, okay, yeah. So she's like, yeah, I miss, you know, the thing she saw, like the folks who she used to see more often. And she was like, man, I miss that. I'm like, yeah, it makes a huge um, difference. I mean, in my workplace, I'm around like 95% people of color. Um, Huge difference. Huge difference. Um, I'm like, so grateful. (laughs) I'm just like, oh, thank you. Um, Yeah, it definitely makes a difference. But okay. It's you you told us. Oh my bad. Go ahead. Oh no, no, no. It's nice to just talk to, but it. I'm just thinking about it. Like I'm just like, damn. Like I I found where they relocated the Moja mm-hmm. and Puente section of the school, which is like the Brock and Brown students mm-hmm. both, both underperforming. And I was just sitting there, and I'm like, okay, the space is nice. They've increased it. Like it's in a nice place to where the kids can be themselves and not quote-unquote disturb anyone um but I was chilling and you know I smelled my mentor Mama Scott everyone calls her Mama Scott um and I smelled her sandalwood and I just looked in the office I was like Mama because she's every time I look up she in Ghana so <laughs> and I don't know unless I go on the Facebook and see she posting pictures from Ghana. So I'm just like, it's so nice to see you in person. She actually did my waist beads too, but like Sacramento, I'm not from Sac, but like there's so much like black love here and just the resources to be able to and the interconnectedness and to be able to collab. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like I'm originally from Stockton, um, California. So, like, it's smaller. It's not enough jobs there. And a lot of people struggle 
um, from what I've seen, and they're slowly getting gentrified too as the push happens down California. So, um, and seeing just the talent in California, like seeing it in the smaller cities, and I'm thinking because you have San Francisco, you have the Bay, um, Stockton, and Sacramento, and then whatever, and that's just the ones, and there, there's so much talent, Black talent packed around here and I just want like the world to see it like Sacramento's scene is dope um I have a lot of family members in the Stockton scene so like the music and the dancers Sacramento like if you're black like please come visit Sacramento like we do we here we out here <laughs> like we'll give you the like add sister circle on Facebook you'll find all the safe black spaces if you want to come visit Sacramento yeah, it's black people here. Like, I feel like people don't know that black people live in Sacramento outside of, like, Sac for some reason, but also it's getting more expensive. But there's so many talented people here. Um, and so I've been kind of going out to different events and being able to see people in the community and see how they come together and put things together. It's like, I love art. And that's always been kind of one of my things I've been interested in. And like the artists I know amazing. And so being able to see like black painters, like you have Ducky out here and like Taylor Pinnell and like um, Californication. It's so much, uh, Javia, if you ever want to come visit like SAC and then the Bay and in San Francisco, you could, like, probably do some in Sacramento because it's not that expensive yet. But gentrification is real. It's it's out here. It's, yeah. It, gentrification, it, it, definitely. I mean, I've, I've only – I've been to the Bay Area twice so far since I've been um, in California. Um, I do plan to, um, you know, like, make other trips there. Um, the, mm-hmm. I went to Oakland and San Francisco with my – well, my wife, like, surprised me with the trip so we went there that and that was my first time going there mm-hmm. um it's like very unfamiliar with the west coast and then i went uh this past april um but i only went really for a very a specific event mm-hmm. um so i was there for a conference so i didn't really like do a lot of exploration i was in um like san jose ish area which i mean i don't know if that's i mean it's close well to me, I didn't realize how close it was to the Bay. I don't know if it's considered the Bay, but um, yeah, I was like that way. But I, 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 for some reason, I thought that it was closer. And then I took, I rode the bus, and I was like, "Wait a minute, I'm only an hour away from <laughs> from San Francisco." Okay, this, this shit is real. It's far. Um, so yeah, I didn't realize I was that close. But um, so I know you mentioned that you're from Stockton. Um, I'm not from here. I don't know where the hell Stockton is. Like, so what, where, what was that like? Like, what was your kind of coming up like and how have you um, really just kind of like gotten to know yourself as you were coming up? Wow. That's big. Cause I feel like I'm getting to renew myself now. Six. Um, hmm. Stockton was like Stockton definitely as a child it was you know it was home it's always been home but like the older I got um I kind of started to notice the the struggles and probably not until I got to high school but being young and being around like family Mm -hmm. and stuff I feel like definitely concealed being in that recognizing poverty Mm-hmm. just being happy to be around like my friends and relatives because um, we would all get together do stuff uh, and like um, have parties some of the parties would get a little you know because <laughs> <laughs> alcohol would be involved no, what's that? liquor starts flowing <laughs> is real and yeah. I'm going to sit and pretend like it hasn't affected my family. Mm-hmm. But growing up, there was this, like, noticing that everyone kind of would behave in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And 
not understanding where that came from I was just like I don't want to be like this and mm-hmm. it was kind of like and that's I feel like how anti-blackness starts uh, I mean, so what were the demographics like in Stockton though like you know was your fit like everybody were- in Stockton is like like I would say from poor to like middle class okay. yeah and so, is it like black and brown folks white people is it primarily white like it's, were you uh, it's a lot of black, Latino, uh, okay. Asian, and like white. Okay. I know that we at my school, McNair, I felt like we had more Asians than anything. Okay. But like, I, it definitely, poof, I didn't care for high school. But I actually liked school, but because I was dealing with so much at home mm-hmm. um, and just the typical mother-daughter relationship where my mother was, like, very much going through her own trauma, trying to raise a child, and, like, she's stressed out because she don't know what she's doing. She had me, like, at 23, mm-hmm. and so, like, and then me out, and so, like, I... Remember being very and enamored with my mother, and like, like in love in a way where like this is my mom, like she's my everything, like the dear song, dear mama, like that's like I remember having this large amount of love, and I do, but of course there's so many walls, and I'm trying to bring those down, but like. My mom, she didn't have the best access to resources for parenting. And of course, she didn't have access to resources because systematically those things are kept away from neighborhoods. But like seeing, growing up and seeing how generational, intentionally, like intentional generational trauma Mm -hmm. um, has affected family and thus affected me and then learning about like first of all I remember I was my mom became triggered and it was when I think the black man was kissing the white lady he and I was like what are you talking about mom like slavery's a long time ago (laughs) and he was going off and I was just like why are you tripping but of course doesn't know how to like um communicate those like those things it was just like ain't like hurt so much mm-hmm. hurt in that I mean how old were you at that time too? probably around the time holes came out like it was on Disney Channel at that time mm-hmm. um so I had to been between 10 to 11 okay because yeah. I mean that can be a difficult thing too with a child mm-hmm. you know trying to have that conversation with a child especially if you're still yes processing it yourself and you don't know how to quite articulate it how do you how do you articulate that to a child you know it's Mm -hmm. it's a tough spot to be in (laughs) yes so it was just kind of like and the thing is is my mom definitely um like just straight up she was like abusive um and that pattern in those like cycles that they talk about of abuse is hard to experience and then hard to recognize that like it's a cycle mm-hmm. people can see a lot of stuff from the outside you know um but it's a totally like uh experience certain things totally changed my perspective like i I used to be one of those people who would say, oh, I would never do this or never allow this or never go through this. And I think I just said that rhetoric because it was the thing to say. But since I've been through some things, <laughs> um, it's just different when you're in it. Like I, I yeah, now I don't say that kind of stuff anymore because I'm like, well, no, actually, um, I've been, you know, through this and this. So it's so different. Your perspective is different when you're in the midst. Yeah. Of- yeah. Yeah. But that moment that, like, I went to a HBCU. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. And, like, but not knowing how to manage mental health and the first time being away from home. Because I went from, like, leaving the trauma to then thinking I'm okay. Mm-hmm. 
and then getting involved with someone and then getting just emotionally desecrated and not being able to grapple with that I went back home. <laughs> I was like fuck this shit I'm going home <laughs> like so that derailed my like college and like I'm still in college like mm-hmm. so that was hard seeing everyone graduate from my but now looking of course I'm happy for them now but I was like dang it's hard because you know too yeah. we're told that like you're supposed to do this in this set time frame and mm-hmm. if you don't with you and I mean I didn't I didn't graduate with like in the same time frame as my peers either um so I and I wasn't like a traditional student I mean I I was working so I mean I commuted to work I was in a whole ass relationship where I lived with um a, a not a toxic partner but um so I was going through you know that very unhealthy relationship plus working and overloading on my classes like um you know taking like you're those you know 15 16 yeah that was me taking 15 units and shit just wilding out um just doing the most um you know so i just really the again it's like the perspective thing your perspective is so different i could not relate to people who were supposed to be my peers yeah yeah it's it's a lot and just being i like i had to kind of learn pressuring myself to recently like this summer to achieve this timeline because I'm trying to race through these classes and of course um I was in a relationship and so like I wanted to hurry up and finish and you know, start making money and just really through the most thinking that I could just put off self-care and taking care of myself and not really understanding how I need self-care for myself either at the time um besides my coping mechanisms and that is never helpful (laughs) Mm. but um yeah and it's crazy because now I'm just like slow down like you this is a journey it's not a marathon like and and realize I talk some of them have like gotten through it in the set amount of years or even mm-hmm. early but the majority is like yeah it took me a minute like I was doing this too like that job like a part the morning part of my job which I've learned to love because I'm outside is like picking up trash and like sometimes I'll come off the sidewalk and so I'm just like, okay, well, now I could listen to podcasts, you know, work on BWU stuff, update, communicate, whatever. And, but previously I was just like, this is some, like, this feels so embarrassing. Like, so, like, so, like, this is not cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had to kind of change my perception of, like, my, I look forward to, going and picking up like a black woman on campus who used to is just fucking with me but I'm yeah, happy also yeah, to have right. that. and I think that's about, I think it's valid to have those um kind of the mixed feelings type of thing um yeah it I think it's absolutely valid you know it's yeah. it's one of it's like well I, even if even though I can kind of adjust my perspective some and kind of look at, you know, the benefit, it's like still, it's not unreasonable that you still kind of like feel some kind of way. <laughs> yes. Yes. So it's definitely, um, but now I'm like starting to accept that I am a creative and that's something that gives me like life and just, understanding my self-care more and having like a ritual and it's one of it's one of one or two of your podcasts where you were just stating like enjoying pleasures and having a ritual and finding enjoyment in little things throughout the day um so I've just started to kind of learn to work with just my energy more and journaling when I need to and making sure like to have more structure because the more structure I have the more calm I feel when it gets chaotic so and that usually happens when school starts yeah school will do it so, so I've been preparing like this entire summer just 
working and making sure my room, like my room is not in order now, but it's going to be <laughs> once the semester. <laughs> it's <not that> time. <laughs> no, it's not. It's going to be either Friday or Saturday. I just don't know yet. It's going to get done though. That's all I know. Right. What's important is it's going to get done. So, I mean, in the midst of this process, so you have, you know, where you're growing up, you're kind of like surrounded by family. You have this um, kind of something that's really uh, tumultuous, like relationship with your mom and and bittersweet because it's like you have this like adoration and love, but also there's like the negative side too. So how did you, in the midst of all this going on, how did you even start to like, realize that like oh well I there's something different about me like how did you start to kind of become aware of what like queerness even was how it related to you that like oh well hey there might be something different about me the queer part yes oh lord that's another layer (laughs) thank you for helping me get right back on track awesome but yeah so like everything my and my mom's is what I didn't want you to be and yeah so it's just kind of like nor just having this natural attraction you know and like to women and breasts at a very very young age um like very young and slowly developing since second or third grade um but also going to church and like hearing that sexuality is like a sin and I'm going to hell and I'm going to burn for eternity. And then like me not even caring a lick about the religion. I ran from the church. Okay. I would be like, big mama, I'm sick. I don't feel good. You know they could pray for you. Like she was still trying to get me. Come on, <laughs> yes. let them lay hands on you, baby. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I'm just and then falling asleep through it, like, oh no. But I think my mom finally accepted that I'm just yeah, so the queer part. So yeah, and then just kind of like I would flirt around with men or with boys and like because I liked flirting, I liked attention. Um I always knew that I was attracted to like women and like vagina holders and tries trying to be inclusive and just femininity uh, I'm still attracted to my too I don't want masculinity from like a cis man and that's really <laughs> just and that's just the, like I find cis some cis men to be beautiful but like I have no desire to like I don't even know if with cis men at this point. We can't be friends. <laughs> yeah, so it's just kind of like, like I'm trying to get past that. As I say, that's not my ministry. That's what I say. That's not my ministry. <laughs> yeah, that's a nicer way to say it. But um, I, I love queerness. I love the beauty in it. I love the, the spectrum of gender like like the showing of gender I love the different like mixture combinations like you remember doing those math problems where you have to come up with all the different combinations like mm-hmm. always surprises me and like gives me life because you never know what you're going to get when it comes to mixtures of different like sexualities and orientations and gender expression and then social media came because and then I of course you crave that representation growing up and it's just like the first time I I didn't even catch it but no the first time I saw it was like porn but like the first (laughs) time I experienced it through like just cutie romancy stuff I think this random video at flashed of two women um, in front of my mom, and I was playing Pokemon, first of all, and she <laughs> thought, because I gotten hints that I liked women, and hmm. she internalized it. Did just watch you, or, like, how did she get hints? Like, well, I think everyone in the family knew, and my mom 
they want to take it but I know that I um I read this I wrote this erotica book when I was really young and it was like it wasn't and that's when like the pinnacle of you know your creativity you have the energy to be creative and so just imagine like I thought I had thrown it away when we moved under my bed but like there was one point in the book where like I wrote this sexual story and at the end it was a twist it was a girl mm. and my mom I think she just and I was just like where the fuck that book come from I didn't think I was gonna see it again like what the fuck <laughs> so, wow. yeah and then when I started like dating because my space or whatever I because um, I had like dated guys and I lost my virginity to someone who I just if I could take something back but uh, yeah it it was in in like and I definitely ran through men but like once I like I think I was eight maybe eight turning 18 yeah before I left I like what like had my first like sexually pleasurable experience with a woman because by I think she was my third woman that I've been with and I was just like oh my gosh like this this is it <laughs> this, <laughs> like, this is what I've been missing <laughs> like this is and of course you serious and like oh, God, I don't those, know. they like it's just I'm the thing about here. Sagittarian energy, like don't let it be a black queer. I think that maybe that's a, that's better for Leo, even though Sag is supposed to be like the perfect match for Ari, uh, Aries. That has not proven to be the case for me, so I'm like, no, 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 no. yeah, no. I, I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I'm <laughs> I'm open to meeting a Sagittarius that I can make connection with, but like they always get jittery and then end up having to like dip so I just don't emotionally attach to Sagittarius now. Mm. <laughs> yeah but they're beautiful to look at like that certain energy that a certain sun sign gives off and even mm-hmm. it's so pungent to me that I even if it's not something sun sign like if it's their rising like I still sense it and I'm just like mm, like you you and of course they're usually painters or mm, creative artist yes just <laughs> so bad but like yeah that's my kryptonite yeah <laughs> but that's how that's I mean with the the thing with your mom I'm like that's like worst case scenario to have and I mean uh, so many people so many queer people have that kind of story too where it's like oh well my my parent like came across something that I wrote or they came across it like oh my gosh it's not the way <laughs> to find out um no. when no. people say anything, especially like it, well, I, I don't know if this is the case across the board, but I know from my family, um, people will say a lot of stuff like amongst themselves and it would be like kind of whispered about, but they wouldn't say anything to me directly. Um, just speculate. And I just would not confirm nor deny <laughs> um, for a while until I like brought a woman home. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I had come out to, like, my closest family, my mom, my grandmother, but in terms of my extended family who lives in a small town in Georgia, um, they just, yeah, would speculate. And then I, um, for, like, a family reunion or some kind of family thing or Fourth of July or something, um, I mean, this is the person I was in a relationship with and we lived together and all this kind of stuff. So I was like, yeah, we're going to just go come through. And I didn't, like, say, hey, I'm bringing someone or whatever I just showed up and she was with me and folks were like oh your friend and I'm like that's my woman <laughs> like this is not the homie okay um oh. so yeah I don't even know why I did it that way um <laughs> but similar thing with um with my wife now I'm just like folks like oh your friend and I pick and choose like sometimes I'm like okay I don't know you like it ain't even worth it to correct you but in some situations I'm like that's not my friend. That's not my sister. We don't look anything alike. Stop playing these games. Right. <laughs> uh, don't right. add brand new. Right. Yeah, but yeah. that's, I mean, it had to have been 
yeah, that had to have been rough basically for her to come across it that way. And, you know, you're basically Mm -hmm. folks are kind of like starting to talk about, about you really. Um, but not really kind of like outright. I mean, did she outright say something to you? Yeah, she brought the book to me, like called me in. I sat down, she brought out the book, started reading it back to me. Oh, oh no. <laughs> no. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so she's hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> not reading. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that was uncomfortable. And I'm just, I'm like remembering it and I'm like wow that, that did happen like that but how yeah, old no, so, huh? were you at that point I probably was my freshman years maybe or going into my freshman year um, but definitely leaving 8th grade wow. and then in high school I think sophomore or junior year I started to date girls more mm-hmm. And my mom, like, found some sexting messages. Like, she had found some when I was, like, with sex by the boy. I'm always finding stuff. Like, what's going on? That, she was know, looking. Now that I think about it, she always going through my shit. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. <laughs> she was looking. Because I'm like, how are you coming across all this? No, but she, like, I had a, I remember even when I was, like, in the first grade, I had a diary. And I wrote in it. And it was under my bed and had a lock in it, on it. And then my mom, like, started asking me questions one day based off of what I was writing. Wow. And I'm just like, uh. That's a whole different issue because that's, there's, you know, that's not allowing you to have any autonomy, any privacy. Right. I do think that's, I do think that um, that's important even for kids, even though a lot of parents feel like, oh, well, kids don't get no privacy. But I do not believe that. I don't. Oh my gosh, I have issues with that, but that's you know a whole other thing. Um, so you're saying that you, um, you started dating like women more when you were as you were uh, going through high school. Yeah, I can't remember the exact moment that I like started like dating women in high school, but I think one day me and my like friends and associates were sitting down and there was already rumors that started in the eighth grade and like in high school that I liked girls, but that was before I stated to myself, I was like, I like girls. But I remember being attracted to women already and, and just being in denial because religion, but um, yeah. And I remember, and I was like, I like girls telling my people. And one of the girls was like, what are you going to do? Bump coochies? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and now I'm like, yes, I would love to. Like, that. Yes, I want that exactly. And she, I don't even consider that to be a thing. Of course, I saw it. Oh, I didn't yeah. even think about it. You mentioned it. Hmm. Right. And I remember oh seeing that in porno and really, really liking those parts. Um, <laughs> those are my favorite, like, shot scenes or whatever. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's right there. <laughs> yes. So, um, and then I started like I would date. Um, I would find, of course, it was all online. Mm-hmm. Like, how else would you find people like queer individuals in your area? Like, there's not a meetup spot in Stockton. Like, <laughs> we had a we had a um, a kids club called the Candy Shop, and it got shut up, shot up, and closed down. Um, so it's just kind of like, that's kind of how I got to get away though and leave the house. Like I started, like I started doing things that would be social conditionally described as being fast, but like I was only going to do that because like I was coping with the fact that like I wanted to go to college and I knew I wanted to go to college and I knew I needed good grades, but because I was always stressed out all the time due to my relationship with my mom, I would get sick. Like, I would be getting A's and B's during the beginning of the semester, and then right around finals, or before going into finals, I'd get sick for two weeks and miss school, because my class, like, one class at my high school would equal, like, two or three classes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you miss two weeks, you miss a month. So I'd come back, and all my shit is fucking busted, and I'm just like, how can I even catch up? Right. 
what the fuck? And I'm not even thinking about asking nobody to bring me my homework when I get home. I'm just trying to like get like feel like I can breathe again. <laughs> like get through being sick. <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't even worried about it. So it's just kind of like, and then think, and then I'm glad I had a family connection to Langston because that was my HBCU. Mm-hmm. Because like I ended up dipping and leaving um, and going out there and kind of going through the whole college experience and being away from home mm-hmm. um, and just trying to figure it out on my own and just being happy to have like my own space. Um, but I definitely, like, didn't have the support. Like, I have family out in Oklahoma. It's definitely, like, you can't take someone who's been in, like, trauma and they don't even know the impact of how that trauma affects them and how to, like, live with it in a healthy way um, and just send them off <laughs> to <Yeah>. the South. <laughs> it's like, okay, now you're in a completely different environment. Yeah, so that's basically what happened. Of course, I didn't do well, and I came back to Stockton. I ended up working in Yosemite. That Mm. was horrible because, like, I just cleaned up after people going on vacation, and people were disgusting. (laughs) Like, people are totally gross. So that's not a... I mean, that's it's like a journey to go from Mm -hmm. dealing with what you're dealing with at home to being in a completely new environment um, for the first time and just kind of... It's, you know, there are a lot of transitions that can like trigger, um, that can either be like traumatic or trigger mm-hmm. um, things like depression and anxiety. And you went through like multiple life changes at the same time. Um, and then to come, so like, how, you know, how have you basically gone from that to being where you are now? Because you've had to navigate the relationship with your mom. And while also, you know, kind of navigating, just coming into your own identity, admitting certain things to yourself, recognizing certain things about yourself, going through a, you know, moving very far from home, coming back and, you know, all the stuff that came with that. So now, you know, you're in a different place. Like you were talking about, you know, you're about to be uh, 26 and you're, there's kind of like a different place that you're in. So how is that? So I, there were a lot of people that like definitely helped me. Like I'm very blessed with the people that I've known in my life um, who just saw like the potential in me and helped me. Um, I, I didn't move to Sacramento alone. Like I had a high school friend whose grandparents owned like property in Sacramento. So we stayed there. And then I was able to kind of, it was just depression, like, and so, like, living in Sacramento was cool, but there was also all of this baggage I had, mm-hmm. and, still, and this is in 2013, and just, just because I've made so many jumps and moves and transitions, like, trying to plant roots was difficult to do uh, in the beginning to the point where like this just unaddressed trauma is affecting my roommate and me and I'm just like I don't know how to get a hang of it so I ended up um, having to like reach out to family on my dad's side and I had someone in my family who lived in Sacramento and so she allowed me to live with her and like pay her rent and just help me just create a like just kind of start building myself up a little um and just loving on me and kind of really got to know me like um Latisa is my cousin and she really like held me down um uh, and really her and her mom were the only ones to do so um from my dad's side of the family like my brothers try but they don't like yeah Desmond at least would try and be really helpful um, and stuff but there's another issue that my dad's side is just is <laughs> but it's okay mm-hmm. um, but just trying to I'm getting off subject actually coming to I, I there was people who like really like 
love me and they probably still love me now but those relationships are also strained because I manage trauma um and like I also just got a relationship and was dating a social worker and I recently started therapy and was in therapy for three years and that was like not good for the both of us like so um I'm now just now like literally this year going to therapy taking my meds. I stopped taking we broke up and like my shit just finished cracking because <laughs> I was already trying to pain on my own mm-hmm. and not really and I tried to stay super busy when school started and just piled hella shit on my plate and didn't really address anything or like give myself time to heal so and then I wasn't on my medication that's not good but I was like each other yeah so I just barely started healing like this summer really um after I dropped my class and was able to focus on myself and like really focus on my therapy tools and be in a place where I can like where it's not traumatic and I can deal with my trauma and focus on my health Mm -hmm. and just feel secure. Like I never 100% feel like safe Mm -hmm. just because this is the first time I actually feel stable. uh, Right. So it's just now like, I mean, it's huge. So, and I've been interested in the things that I'm doing now and trying more so to focus on, but how do you focus on what you love doing if you're not taking care of yourself, you know? And I'm just now realizing like, oh, this is how you can take care of yourself so you can get through a job you don't really care for. And like, still like I plan to do like different events and I have more energy to like talk to people and connect with people and go out into the community and come up with ideas that actually make people passionate because um, I haven't been able to feel like passion like that fire that I have like literally from March to like after June 21st after we had the Black Women's March I just felt nothing like Makeup didn't do anything for me. Like I had camera, I like I have lights in my room to record videos, and that just didn't. Me. Like there was no fire, and I'm trying to light it, and it just wasn't like. Like it just, I couldn't. But it's something a process. I mean, you know, something that's um that I mean I mention often is something that's a big part of a lot of our stories honestly is mental health. And sometimes we don't understand how the scope of the impact of mental health. And like, especially when you're in the midst of, it, you don't realize just how many things it affects. And um, so especially um, in terms of stability and, you know, trying to have like a baseline to operate from. And that's really something that um, you didn't have that you're, cultivating um, because you, you dealt with a lot of um, kind of like the, the ups and downs and dealing with, you know, someone else who was tumultuous and, you know, just kind of, so you were, um, you know, kind of just uh, reacting to your environment, you know, so now you're in a place where uh, you don't have to, when you stabilize, you don't have to um, be reactive. And so yeah. that makes a huge, <laughs> huge difference. <laughs> to your mental health and when your mental health is more stabilized it frees up your capacity and Mm -hmm. so that you're able to do the things that you enjoy you're able to even um recognize what you enjoy um and you're able to you know kind of um because with mental health stuff too you can kind of get into a place where you're an autopilot and so something Mm -hmm. that um i that i always say um and that i've been saying definitely all this year um, I said that, okay, for 2019, I really want to focus on people centering themselves and us centering ourselves um, as Black queer people um, is a radical act, is a revolutionary act, is an act of resistance. And it's something that we need to do. And one of the most profound ways we can do it is in regards to our mental health, going to therapy, um, doing self-care, engaging community care, not just self-care, because it is important, but we also need community care because no one... Um, cares for us like we can care for each other because we can understand each other uniquely um 
And so making sure that we're um, factoring in all those things and that we're working toward, um, you know, living our best lives, even in a world that doesn't want us to live, you know, it's, 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 you know, we're kind of like constantly, facing, um, you know, so, yeah. but it's something that we're, we're creating. I always like mention this cause I just love it. But um, this phrase that my friend Karen, at least uh, talked about that um, Janet Mock mentioned about possibility models. I think that we, the stronger that we get, the more stabilized and the more um, we center ourselves, then we create, we become these like possibility models for those who are coming after us because then they can see, Hey, here are other queer folks who are doing the things they enjoy, who are thriving, who are, you know, living their lives in a system that makes it very, very difficult. So it can, it can be hope, you know, and um, for a lot of us growing up, we didn't have that to look to. Right. Um, we had it, we just didn't know. And so we can kind of think of those people that inspired us and that had an impact on us and have to understand that we are those people now. You are one of those people. So, you know, that's, you're able, you're getting to a place now where you've had to go through this process to get to a place where in your work, you really can be an example for those who are, um, and even those who are coming like after you doesn't necessarily matter about age because it's folks who are older who are, you know, starting the process kind of later in life. So, but just those in the same place. So I always like, I know my folks are probably going to get tired of me <laughs> saying it, but I'm like, tend to yourself, you know, tend to your mental health. Um, it is very important. And I think that what you mentioned, um, just your process and your story really um, highlights the importance of that. So um, something I wanted to mention, um, you mentioned the social media in the beginning. I want you to just like reiterate the social media. And if there's anything else that you want to plug. Okay, yes. So the plug. Let me go get my list. Because, <laughs> of course, like, I just, I just love my creatives so much. And they always inspire me. So I'm just going to shout them out as follows. So, of course, Black Women United and our social media on Instagram is BWU. B as in boy, W is in women, and U is in United. Under slash Sacramento, um, there's team that's K W E N, Tailored Mind Studios, Brano Commune, um, Radiating Love, also LaShawn Boucher on Facebook, um, Instagram S dot Selecta nine one six Real Love. That's one. L, Ebony London, West to West Coach, Ducky, Kari J. Um, amazing creatives. Check them out. Sorry if I forgot anybody else, but like. <laughs> Award ceremony shout out. Okay, I would like to thank. Um, but you can also, um, uh, people can see um, like your uh, modeling photos and. Um, oh, yeah do that and I also do makeup too but I need to get into that more seriously <laughs> well, you can follow her and then you'll see when she starts to get into that more seriously you'll be there first um, <laughs> thank you the social, all of the social media teams and um, you just stay up to date but yeah so I, for me I'm always glad to have um, listeners on because it's like it's what this is for to me I'm like okay it's supposed to be our stories on our own terms. Um, it's, you know, supposed to be for the folks who um, feel like they're represented. And so it's really important to be able to provide the platform. I know we had to figure out logistics, but that's life. Um, Black women be out here busy. Um, so yes. it is what it is. But we figured yes. it out. I'm mm -hmm. glad that I was on. So thank mm -hmm. you. One more shout out, though. You know, I got to congratulate the read because they really, since they, since they listen, like, Come on, y'all really kept that from us, but I'm so happy for y'all. Yeah, I I was like, really, this will we doing? So we keeping secrets. Um, yes. But I, yeah, I have a little love affair with. Uh, well, I I've been following Kid Fury for since his mm -hmm. YouTube day. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a, a big uh, fan of his from YouTube. Him just clowning and acting a fool. Um, mm -hmm. And once he started doing the read with Crystal, that's kind of how I got on to her. But. Um, he's been a whole fool 
Um, so it, to me, it's really, it's again, goes back to, I think, of possibility models, seeing, you know, Black folks um, who are um, making these strides and who are in advancing. And for me as a podcaster, um, you know, they're one of the the kind of entities that I look to is them. And then I have Adisa Zemiro, who I love, but I look to, mm-hmm. um, to them as kind of like these possibility models of where BRQ can go. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just dope to see it happening. It's needed. Yes. Everything you said, because I couldn't hear it because my phone cut out. But once again, thank you so much for like <laughs> being patient and just working it out with me. I appreciate you so much and everything that you do on and off the scene of your podcast so you have a good night you too. thank you for being on um y'all thanks for tuning in to another episode of brq black radical queer podcast it's real as usual um i ain't got enough to say to y'all so bye <laughs> bye <laughs>